You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. So Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at verses 1 through 10. It's a very powerful text here for the church of Ephesus. And you, has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. He's talking to the church, to the believers. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I got to say this. Do you know there's a spirit that is working in the, the, those that are disobedient? And there's also one working in those that are obedient. Because if we're going to be obedient, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse number three. Among whom we also had our conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, that old nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Aren't you glad he loved you this morning? Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together. And made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse number 8 through 10 is really where I want to be. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And I want to quote or read again the first part of verse number 10 and leave that on your mind. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I want to minister, and again, we're going to try to illustrate just a little bit this thought, we are his workmanship. We are his, I said we, we are his workmanship. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning? Father, I love you this morning and I'm thankful God for your grace and for your mercy and love. I'm thankful for every individual that is here this morning and I'm thankful this morning for the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit that I've already felt, that I've already sensed. And Lord, I know God that that signifies your presence here among us today. I'm asking this morning as we enter into your word that you would open our ears to properly hear, our hearts to receive, and God, anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking you to do a work that I cannot do, Lord, and that is to move upon the hearts of every individual here, and we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, amen. Amen. We'll set up in just a second. How about that? I want to begin with this. Just the last couple of Wednesday nights, I have, I have enjoyed the teaching, and I have enjoyed what the Lord is doing in my own heart. I'm thankful for what he's done. It's hard mountain to look at when you are looking at us having to forgive in order to be forgiven. That's a mountain. Amen? And, and, and so I want to begin uh, as a church. Nothing can be more important to us as a church. If you consider yourself uh, as a believer... Nothing can be more important to you, not your job, not your career, and I know this was a big one, but not even your family can be more important to us than seeing souls saved. We must be about the Father's business, and we know that reaching souls, that if we follow God's will as a church and we'll be, uh, be willing to allow God to use us individually, that we will continually be effective to see souls saved, and we are seeing people saved. And we're thankful for that. We're making heaven look different, one soul at a time. But we are thankful that the Lord is using us uh, to, to see people justified and declared not guilty. But second, and this is where I really want to invest, and I'm not, and you know, you know my heart, I will never overlook salvation. But second, we've got to invest in the how-to in regards to how to live for God 
for the believers that are continuing uh, to grow in the relationship with the Lord. And we have to explain how to live and to be in that one-on-one relationship with the Lord. See, growing up, I always had the mentality that God was up on a throne, and I've said this before, but God is up on the throne, and he's kind of just looking at all of us. But I've also had the mentality that God was a big God sitting up there with a big stick waiting to knock me out if I did something wrong. That's not the character of God. And no more is that the character of God. It's not the character of God to be sitting high up and looking at each and every one of us. I don't know if there's a better example than the poem that was written than Footprints in the Sand. Want to see the character of God? God is not just a God looking up here on us. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is looking, he's walking with us each and every day. That's what God is doing. We're in, if you're saved this morning, we're in a one-on-one relationship with the creator of the universe. Praise the Lord for that. And so we got to explain how to live for God. And how to live for God is not a list of rules and regulations. It's not legalism. But how to live for God in our relationship is how, as a church, that we stop the revolving door that the church has had a problem with for so long. There's been a many, many people that came in and got saved on Monday morning, and I know, or on Sunday morning, and I know the church has judged them because they didn't come back the next week and they said, well, they didn't get saved. Listen, you can't judge whether somebody got justified or not. Unless you've got an x-ray machine that shows the spiritual condition of their heart, you don't know. Well, they didn't act like it on Monday morning. They just got saved. They're going to have to mess up before the Holy Spirit can convict them. And so on Monday morning when they messed up and they thought, well, maybe I didn't really get saved because that's what the enemy told them. And listen, I'm going to be a little mean, but I'm going to pick on us as a church, not just faith worship center, but as a church as a whole. The church has backed that up and confirmed to them, yes, they're, you know, they're, they're backing up and confirming a lie from the enemy. Yeah, if you continued in that way, you didn't really get saved. They're confirming what the enemy had already told them. And so they didn't come back to church because they felt like they didn't get saved saved and they can't live for God and they didn't darken the door any longer and I could preach this for a little while but I want you to know that we have to stop the revolving door of the church and let people know that listen when you got saved and when you got justified here's a big one that religion is not going to want to swallow but the truth of the matter is you was not made perfect you wasn't perfect and let me go a little further. Some of you have been in here been saved five years. Some of you have been saved 10 years, 15, 20. I could keep going, but let me go on up. We could go as far as the farthest one that is the saved. You wasn't perfect on the day you first got saved, and you're not perfect today. There's still some things in our heart. I said, our, I'm going to cut to the front of the line because, uh, because I need to be at the front of the line. There's still some things in our heart that needs to be changed that has not yet made it to where the high mark of God and Jesus Christ yet. I'm one that is still pressing toward the mark this morning because I've not made that high mark yet. Okay, so we have to invest in the how to live for God. How to live for, I'm going to tie Wednesday nights into here and everybody's saying, no, 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 leave forgiveness for Wednesday. We don't, we sure don't want to hear it again on Sunday. But I'm going to tie it in a little bit this morning because I don't want you to saved. I want you to know how to live for God, how to be changed and how to be transformed by the grace of God that Jesus has already paid for for you. He's already paid for, uh, for our transformation, but we've got to do it his way. I'm going to try to illustrate grace a little bit, and I'm going to stay with the topic that we are his workmanship because grace is how he works things out in our heart and in our life. He doesn't do it by our good works. He doesn't do it by our good looks. He doesn't do it by our pocketbook. He doesn't do it because of our last name. He works things out by grace that has been afforded to each and every one of us by a, a finished work. On the cross of Calvary. So I want to illustrate it. I, I, I don't think I can overdo it. There are moments when things just click. Listen, I can ask elders in here this morning. I've had elders to come up and begin to say, you know, uh, the message of the cross has changed my life. And if you look back, there was a moment when all of a sudden it just hit. And you said, that's it. That's it. That's the truth. So there's moments when it just clicks. I hope somebody this morning has a, 
uh, just clicking moment this morning and it just hits your heart just right. But you know what? If you're in here this morning and you say, I already know how grace works and I, know, I already know God's prescribed order of victory and I already know how to walk in the Spirit so that I can be changed. Well, you know, I'm going to say us because me, I listen to, to teaching, preaching that's going to confirm the truth to me on podcasts and different things. We need it reaffirmed and we need it reassured in us, God's prescribed order of victory. Because here's what happens in us. We can come to a place where the Lord is wanting to change something in us. And we know God's prescribed order of victory, but he doesn't change it when we want him to change it. And so we, keep, we quit trusting him to change it. Thank the Lord, I'm not alone. There's five of us in here this morning that's been through that. So, we quit trusting. Listen, if you're here this morning and you know how to walk in God's prescribed order of victory, you know how to let grace flow, but you set something aside. I'm asking you this morning to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart. Listen, God didn't bring it up and bring it to your attention so that you would just brush it off and put it off to the side. Jesus didn't die on the cross of Calvary so that you would live in one area of your life in defeat. And the Holy Spirit is still not short on power. If you'll keep your faith and trust in Christ, He's still able to break everything and change everything in you. So this morning, let me, let me bring this up. The last two Wednesday nights we've been, because I believe this will be helpful. If you've missed, I, I know that I've taught it, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but you should go back and look at it and watch it or how, at, at however, however way that you, that you can, because I believe it's a great moment for all of us to grow spiritually and to hear spiritually. There's nobody in this building this morning that has not dealt with unforgiveness. Nobody. That included everybody. Nobody that has not dealt with unforgiveness. All of us have been offended. We've been hurt. We've been afflicted. Whatever the case may have been. And so forgiveness is, uh, is something that we need to talk about. It's a mountain. It's a mountain. The illustration I give you was on this side of the spectrum. We got God saying this. If you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. And on this side of the spectrum... We've got me, I use myself as an example, who has been so hurt and afflicted that I can't get over there. If I go to the person and say, I forgive you, I'm not forgiving them, I'm lying. I'm a liar. Because in my heart, I've not yet been able to lay it aside. And so this is what we looked at, is this gap. How do I get to where I honestly want to be able to forgive so that I'm in a place where my relationship with God is no longer broken? And I can't honestly, with all of my heart, say, I forgive you. I no longer hold that to your account. And it's still quiet on Sunday morning. And so, we looked at that. Because it has to be a work of the Lord in order for us to honestly be able to forgive them. And then last week, my, me and my dad was together this week. He said, son, I know you said you were going to take forgiveness a little further, but... I think last Wednesday night was a little too far. <laughs> yeah, I got some amens there. Because last week, we went into 2 Corinthians where he said, not only forgive, but we are to confirm our love for that person. I mean, I was the first one that jumped up to say, I may not be there yet. I'm not there yet. But God is looking for the desire not just about forgiveness, but do you want to be what God wants you to be? And forgiveness will be part of it, and let God develop that. All right, we've set a great foundation for this morning. So this morning I want to, I hope, to illustrate the grace of God that continually closes that gap because I think it will help us for Wednesday night also, the grace of God that is going to close us the gap, going to take me from where I'm, I'm honestly can say, and I've been there, listen, as a child of God and as a believer, and even as a pastor, I've been at the place right here where I can honestly say, I know what God wants, this is where I'm at, and I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Steve is not ready for that yet. But you know what? God was not looking for me to immediately... Run over here out of 
just being fake and out of emotion and say, oh yeah, God, I'm all of this. That's what the Pharisee did. God is looking at me, set the mark higher than what I am because he intended to to bring me to a place where I humble myself and say, I'm like the publican. God, have mercy upon me, a poor sinner. And I, I can honestly assess my heart and say, Lord, I'm not there yet, but I know that's where you want me to be. But I can't get there on my own. But if you will help me because I want to be what you want me to be, I will allow you to transform my heart and change me, which can only be done by the grace of God. And as long as I keep my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the grace of God will not quit working upon my behalf. But you got to honestly assess. Look, religion will say this. Oh, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm exactly right here. Really? You want me to throw out another one? Be ye holy for I am holy. Anybody in here holy? Okay. But religion says, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm right here. I'm ready to go. No. Okay, well, I'm not where you're at yet. I'm at the place where saying, Lord, I see what you want. Steve doesn't have it within him, but if that's what you want of me, I'm willing to allow you to change that area of my heart so that I can be what you want me to be. Listen, that's where God wants us. Before the act, he's looking for the desire. And if you've got a desire, you've got something God can work with. If you have no desire and you say, nope, you have nothing that God can work with. Nothing. So I honestly assess and I say, Lord, this is where I'm at. I'm not where you need me to be yet. But if you'll help me, I'll take the journey, and I'll allow you to change that and transform that in me. Now, I hope this will help because of the Wednesday nights also. Let's look back at verse number 8 before we illustrate. Let me go through these. Paul would say this, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Is it all right if I just teach, just, let me just teach just a minute. If you make notes, you can make notes, as long as it's about Scripture and not about lunch after a while. By grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What does grace mean here? Because we have two spectrums or two sides of the, of the, of the coin in the church. One will not mention. I'm, I'm going to just pick on my Pentecostal roots. Pentecostal roots does not mention grace except for as a term. But they never slow down to explain what grace is. And then you got the other side that uses grace as a license to sin. Oh, because we're under the grace of God, it doesn't matter how you live. Let me tell you, both are wrong. Both are wrong. The grace of God here literally means, again, the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. Divine influence of the Holy Spirit. What did, if I'm going to be saved, what did he influence me first? What did he begin to uh, move up on my heart first? The first thing he had to do was Romans 1 through 3. He had to influence me and convince me that I was a sinner. So the Holy Spirit moved upon me by grace, the goodness of God to influence my heart in the way that I have a broken relationship with the Lord. Now by grace, watch this, are you saved? What does that mean? I'm saved. Well, the word saved here literally means that I've been delivered or I've been protected. What have I been delivered and protected from? I've been delivered from the bondage of sin and I'm protected from the wrath of judgment to come. Praise the Lord. If that scripture stopped right there, we could preach it a little while. By grace, the influence of God, I'm saved, I'm protected, I'm delivered by sin. Now, here's what he wants you to know here. Uh, We say that we are, and we use it like this, we are being saved. Let me teach you a little. We are being saved. We're being changed because in the youngs, we'll see that that implies that we're being saved. What does it mean we're being saved? This is what it means. There's three parts to your salvation. The first part is you're justified. Second part is you're sanctified. Third part is you're glorified. Now you look good this morning, but nobody in here with a glorified body. Romans 8 and 23 says that we have only the first fruits. In other words, you have the down payment. This is what you can know. In regards to my salvation, you're justified. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I've been declared not guilty in heaven's courtroom. There's a robe waiting for me, a crown waiting for me. And as long as I keep my faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary, the devil himself can't take my salvation. I'm saved. 
But I'm justified. Now I move on, second part, sanctification, and that's where I'm at. And I hate to tell you this morning, but that, if you're safe, that's where you're at. And we will be there until the day that we receive glorification, which is not necessarily, well, it's not any at all. It's not at death. Well, no, I'm glorified at death. No, we will be glorified when Jesus comes back and he calls and the dead in Christ shall rise. That's the moment that we are changed. At death, my soul and spirit will go to be with Christ, but my body will be resurrected when Jesus comes and shouts with the voice of an archangel and the dead and Christ shall rise. The Bible says that this immort- or this mortality will put on immortality, this corruptible will put on incorruption, and we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's glorification. Praise the Lord. But watch this. I'm saved this morning. I'm a child of God. So I've just been justified. Now I'm in the process of being sanctified. Now, here's what I want you to see. Uh, uh, Let's go on through faith. Through faith is a channel. If you're going to be saved at all, you've got to do it through faith. That is, when any time the Bible, Paul's teaching faith, he's teaching proper faith. Your faith cannot just be in your church attendance. Your faith and trust can't just be in your Bible reading. Your faith and trust can't just be in your giving of money. Your faith and your trust must be. And listen, well, everybody, oh, it's not. Yes, yes, it is. I see people all the time. If you'll give me $1,000, God's going to make you a millionaire. Listen, turn that guy off and never listen to him again. You want to give an offering of $1,000? Give it to Faith Worship Center. Here's what I promise you. I'll promise you nothing. Except that God will bless you for giving with a cheerful heart. But your faith must be in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross of Calvary. Through faith and that, watch this, not of yourself. What did I do here? What did I do to contribute to my salvation? I believed. I placed my faith in Christ. That's all I did. I didn't earn it. I didn't merit it. I wasn't good enough. All I did was believe. Paul is very specific. It's that not of yourself. In other words, take yourself out of the equation. God's plan for salvation did not include our thoughts. God's design to save into a relationship with mankind, that was God's design. It was not mine. So I can't add to that. I can't add to it as the church does and say, if you're not a member of this church, then you're not saved. That's adding to it. If you're not baptized a certain way that you're not, look, not of yourself. You didn't do nothing here except believe upon Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. When you look at how simple salvation is, I often wonder, how in the world is anybody not saved? Why would you not be saved? Well, I'm not good enough. (laughs) You and everybody else that was ever born of a woman. Not 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 of yourselves. It's not concerning you. And then he says this. It is the gift of God. The gift of God here literally means the sacrifice from God, which is Jesus Christ. And it's free. It's a gift to whosoever will believe. Now, verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Short verse, but it's got a big meaning. Not of works, it literally means without your labor, without our deeds, without our acts, uh, without our trying to earn it, without our trying to merit it, without us trying to be good enough, anything in regards to that. Uh, And let me go further, and I know I've picked on it, and I'm not trying to just tear people down, but I am trying to build up just simple faith. This is not of works. That means the works of water baptism, though we, we had water baptism last Sunday. We believe in that, but it doesn't save you. Without water baptism, without communion, without a certain church membership, without that, without works. That means all works, without works. It's not of our works. It's not of our plan. It's not of our desire. I want you to see that. It's all because of our faith. There's no nothing that anybody can do to merit salvation. And we have to understand that. And he says this. Lest any man should boast. What does that mean? That means to brag. To bring glory to themselves. Again we're all together. Nobody has the right to brag or bring glory to themselves. Paul said in Galatians 6. He said 
God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ because that's where all glory from God was given to mankind. And now verse number 10. We are. This is where I want to be and I'm going to illustrate this. We are his workmanship. Now I want you to see this. The Bible says we are. Now think about this. Paul is a man inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit moved upon him to write the script. Everybody believes scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit? Okay, as Paul was moved upon by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wouldn't even let him leave himself out of this. He said, we are. We are. All of us are his workmanship. Listen, if you're a saved this morning, I don't know your heart, but the truth of the matter is you are on the operating table of God. We are his workmanship. The word workmanship here literally means I'm his product. I'm his project. Listen, I won't pick on you, but when God took me as a project, he's got his work took out for him. Okay, most everybody left me by myself. He had his work cut out for him. I'm his workmanship. I'm his product. Every individual, every believer is the product of God. And he says this, created. The word created here literally means that he's going to bring something out of something that don't even exist. (laughs) He's going to bring good. Out of something. Well, there's good in me. Now, you got to either believe. I don't mean this unkind. You'll have to believe psychiatry. You'll have to believe the scripture. Psychiatry says we're all good. We just got to learn how to bring it out. The scripture says that in me, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. And so what he's trying to do, if we're going to be created into good works, the Lord has taken me that there's nothing good in me, no, no good in my flesh, and he's going to begin to, by miracle, create good and, and transform me that I would walk in the good works of God. Oh, that's good. I liked it more than what you did, but it's still good. What God wants to do in us, well, let me back up and say this, good works here is a beneficial work. Get that, believer. Moms, dads, get that. What he wants to do is going to benefit you, and it's going to benefit everybody around you. Amen. What God wants to do will benefit you and and those that are around you, even your children. Take one spouse that's saved and another spouse that's not saved, and they have a fight in the home. I don't know. Some marriages have arguments. I don't know. They have a fight in the home, and then you let both of them get saved. How much different is it going to affect their children? It will benefit not just you, but it will benefit everybody that is around you. Benefit. And then he says, God has before ordained, he planned this in advance, not only to salvage us, but to transform us that we would be able to produce good works. He says we should walk in them. It means to live in. To live in them, to walk in them, to order our behavior after. And this is proof of the ability of God. Proof of the ability of God. Think about that. Because it's not in us. I picked on Pastor Brian the last few Wednesday nights. Pastor Brian went three years and never spoke a word to me unless it was a rude, rude comment word, hateful word. He went five years, never spoke a word to my mother. No, no, we did everything separate. Five years. Never spoke a word to her. Was that mad? Watch this. And then I watched, and I still remember, on a Sunday morning when he came up and knelt down at that altar, and I walked over to pray for my brother. Though I didn't want to, I mean, look, he's got, he doesn't like me. So I'm not down there, forgive me if this is wrong, but I'm not down there with my arm around him. I'm, I'm standing up here like this right here, you know. That's, that's what I'm doing. And so I'm standing there and, and looking at him, and the Lord began to do something in his heart, and I couldn't see what God was doing, but I watched as he broke. 
And when he got up, he looked right at me and seen me, and, and I thought, uh-oh, what now? And he grabbed me up like a big brother can do and hugged me and said, I love you, brother. Proof of the ability of God. Oh, that's powerful. Proof of the ability of God. Now, that's what God is wanting to do. He'll take you in the place that you are not and bring you to a place that you could have never got on your own. Beautiful. That's beautiful. So if we're born again, watch this. There will be evidence, and I'm about to illustrate. There will be evidence that you're born again. You don't just confess the name of Jesus and, oh, I'm born again. Now, look, I, I know that can get into conversation. I do believe in deathbed confessions. If a person's heart, I don't know what the Lord is doing in their heart. But you don't claim to be born again and there not to be any evidence. In fact, let me go as far as to say this. There will be evidence in your life that you're born again, and there will be evidence in your life that you're not born again. And so he said, I'm going to create you to good works, but we are his workmanship. Now, if it's not too elementary, let me, let me illustrate something. Brian, could you bring your chair over here and set it right beside that one? Brother West told me earlier, he said, hey, when you're going to do these illustrations, we need to start getting here a little bit early so we know what to do. That's not real difficult. Pastor Brian, go ahead and take your seat. And Brother West, come over here. You care to hand him that, that piece of Tupperware? He's going to sit down with that. And bring us that cross out, please, Brother Troy. I want, to, I want to show you something. And I don't know how to do it without backing up to see salvation. But I want you to see the grace of God this morning. Just go ahead and set it right out here. I don't know if everybody can see, but I think it's good. Go ahead and point it back this way if you don't care. Uh, okay, that's perfect. That's exactly where I wanted it in that spot. This, this, I don't know what you, this canister represents the heart of a non-believer. The heart of Wes, he's a believer, but he, just for illustration, the heart of a non-believer. Okay? You'll notice, check that thing. There's some, there's some junk in there. Some trash in there. In his heart. His heart is closed up to anything. It is what it is. Now, I want to make a, just a quick detour. I'll come right back to where I want to be. But I want to say this. This, we're, we're going to show you how that the grace of God, or try to show an example, how the grace of God changes. But I want you to know that it does it by grace and not by law or legalism. And I could hand this back to him just like it is. And that lid being on there and being tight is an example of your heart being open to the things of God if you are approaching him by law. Brian, reach your hand in that with that lid on. That, that's all the Holy Spirit can do. He can't go any further because his faith and trust is in law and what he does. And it's not in Jesus and what he done on the cross of Calvary. Everybody with me? Everybody understand that? Okay. And so I want to I show you something. We, Wes comes for by grace you are saved. He gives his heart and his life to the Lord. And all of a sudden, pass it on over. Brian is a type of the Holy Spirit. His heart. The Lord is in charge of his heart. Now, here's something that I want to bring to you that I want you to say, that I want you to see. It's something we don't want to talk about and we don't want to bring up, but everything that is in the heart of the non-believer before they come to Christ, God is already aware of that. And guess what he did? I'll pick on me. He took me anyway. Do you know in this process of sanctification, we've talked about it before, there are things that has over as I walk in the Spirit and I'm asking God to change me, there are things that have surfaced and come up that I didn't even know was there. I've never even had a problem with that. And all of a sudden, there's a few of us in here. Not everybody's going to agree, but you're either lying or not walking in the Spirit. I don't know which one, but. So he took his heart anyway. And the moment that he was born again, take that lid off, please. The Holy Spirit had 100% access to the heart of the non-believer. You with me? 
The Holy Spirit has access to your heart. Now, we know there's some junk in there and there's some trash in there, but here's what happened. The moment that Wes looked and placed his faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, automatically his heart went. He was born again. He gave, you've heard the terminology, he gave his heart to the Lord. Amen. So he gave his heart to the Lord, and the Lord has 100% access in, into his heart, but when he gave it to him, there's still some junk. Now, I'll tell you, the thing that changes immediately, not all of your hang-ups, not all of your bondages, regardless of what religion teaches, not all of that, which some things can fall off immediately, but not all of that changes immediately. But what does change immediately is this. I now have, when before I had a desire for the world and my former conversation, as Paul talked about earlier in chapter number two, was in the course of this world. No longer are my desires of the desire of the world and the things of the flesh. I now, even though I've got some things to be changed, the one thing that did change completely is my desire is no longer to walk in the course of this world, but it is to walk after Jesus Christ. That changed. Immediately, I want to live for God. I'm not perfect. I fail. I stumble. But I want to live for God. Nothing in me that wants to offend God. And so now, as things changed and 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 he's he's saved, we start this sanctification process, which moves me to verse number ten. We are His workmanship. Here's what's going to happen. Wes continues to look at the cross of Calvary and what Jesus has done there. Why? Because Jesus, as the Son of God, and what He done on the cross of Calvary, broke the bondage. It broke the power that all, that all sin had over the individual's life. There's nowhere else that you can place your faith that is going to be greater than the bondage or the stronghold of sin. So He places His faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. And the Holy Spirit is about to go to work on our heart. This is Monday morning. He pulls something out. You can name it whatever you want to name it, but you don't have to name it at all. It's Wes's heart, so he may want to say, shh, keep that on the down low. All of a sudden, he pulls something out. He presents it to him. So the Lord talks to us about it. He begins to visit with you about it. He begins to convict you about whatever it is that needs to be changed. Anybody in here besides me been through this? He, been, he begins to convict you. He's showing it to you. Here's what Wes has to do. Wes has to make a decision. Am I going to hang on to this? Or am I going to look to the cross of Calvary the same way that I was saved and allow the Holy Spirit to change that and break that in me also? What am I going to do? Here's the thing, if Wes looks to the cross of Calvary, the Holy Spirit, and it may not happen overnight, but little by little is going to begin to break this and change this in us so that we no longer have to deal with whatever it is that we were dealing with. Listen, if you're a child of God and you're the same man as you was six months ago, something is wrong. So when he presents it to him, we're going to assume Wes says, yeah, that's trash. We need to get rid of that however, however long that it takes. Sometimes things are immediate. I, there's been things I've had to trust God for for some time, months. One thing I particular say, year. What was that? That ain't none of your business between me and Jesus. And he says, I want to change that, and the Holy Spirit gets rid of it. And then what does he do? Well, we'll go to something else. It's such a fun process. We just keep going. Now he's working at something else. And as long as Wes is looking at the cross and what Jesus has done on the, uh, for him, accomplished and, and completed on the cross of Calvary, the Holy Spirit is able to change that and break it and disregard it. And then he goes to something else. Look, our canisters are full. And here's a hard one. And he says, oh, no, I, I'm not. Can I just be blunt and be plain? Well, this is something here that my buddies don't know nothing about. The pastor at the church, he don't know nothing about that. Hey, my, my children and spouse don't even know anything about that. That's just between me and the Lord. And as long as it's between me and the Holy Spirit, well, I might hang on to that one for a little while. I'm preaching good this morning. 
I might hang on to that one for a little while. So here's what he does. Am I going to look to the cross of Calvary or am I going to look over anywhere else? And the moment that he looks anywhere else, he puts it back. His heart is shut up. And then he's not really happy with that because he's getting in a, a, going in a wrong direction. And he goes back to the Lord and say, look, forgive me. I placed my faith back in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And the Holy Spirit now has access again. We cut off access when we move our faith. But he has access again. And he pulls out. Guess what he's going to pull out? The same one. Somebody's ahead of me back there. The same one. Because if God the Holy Spirit knew that we were ready for it before, and we had to change that before we could move on, He's going to bring us right back and say, look, we got to talk about this. Now here's what I want you to see. And then let's just assume He places His faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. And that too is broken and disregarded. I want you to see this. I hope this wakes you up at night. Here's the process. A non-believer gave his, watch this. Put the lid back on. Easier said than done, Aaron. Just add it to it. <laughs> Got the lid on Watch this, non-believer, heart's closed up, he realizes he's a sinner and on his way to hell, he says, I, I believe that Jesus is the way, he hands it over, gives his heart to the Lord, the Holy Spirit opens it up, can you do that? The Holy Spirit opens it up and he starts to reach down, he starts to change things. When he's convicted of that or shown that by the Holy Spirit, he looks to the cross of Christ and say, God, I see that. And I understand that it's an offense to you. And I'm asking you to change that in me. Forgive me and change that in me. And the Holy Spirit changed that and we move on to something else. Do you see this? This process? This is grace. This is grace. Grace is not a term. Grace is more than just the goodness of God. Grace is more than just unmerited favor in the new covenant. Grace is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit and the reflection on your heart. We are His workmanship. Do you know what Wes did in this whole deal? From getting saved to being changed, he kept his faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And as long as he kept his faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, the Holy Spirit is doing all of the work. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We're his workmanship. This is God's job. He knew what he was getting when he accepted you. He laid you on the operating table. We're his product. We're his project. All he asked for us to do in order to be changed and transformed is you keep your faith in Christ and what he's did on the cross of Calvary, and I'll work some things out. And this goes for this too, and I'm going to hush. I feel like I need to quit. It's the same thing with forgiveness. Those that have been here on Wednesday night, I'm going to go back into it again this Wednesday night. Same thing in forgiveness. One of them that he pulled out is going to be unforgiveness. And either I will look to the cross of Calvary or I will say, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And if you say you look to the cross of Calvary and let him change, look, let me back up and clarify this. It's all right to be in the place where you say, I'm not there yet, but I do want to be what you want me to be. So I'm asking you to change that in my heart. Forgiveness is going to take a little while, but what I want you to see and understand is this. This is the grace of God. The grace of God is the working of the Holy Spirit to change your heart and to change your life. You know what this confirms to us? That it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't make any difference what your bondage is or what your sin. Anybody and everybody can be free and be saved from anything and everything. And for that to not be true would be say this, the power of the Holy Spirit to work on me is not good enough. Anybody and everybody, because God's going to pull out everything he's got to save us and to change us. 
the process of grace will continue to work in our life as long as we keep our faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. Would you stand with me this morning? Will you bow with me this morning? Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, Lord. You had mercy upon us first because you loved us, and you're rich in mercy. But the grace of God continues to work in our heart to change us and to transform us. Lord, I'm asking this morning that somebody maybe has a better understanding of your grace and how to be changed. We don't work for it. It's not about us trying harder. It's not about us doing better. It's about us properly placing our faith in Jesus and what he's already done on the cross of Calvary and allowing the Holy Spirit to work out what he needs to work out. I pray that you would move upon every single heart this morning, touch every life this morning, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if you're here, If you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit has pulled at your heart in whatever direction, whatever it may be, whatever conversation he needs to have with you this morning, I just simply come to tell you that his grace is still sufficient and his strength is made perfect in your time of weakness. When you can't, God can. And if you'll just keep your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, his grace that has been afforded by Calvary is sufficient to work out anything and everything in your heart. So I'm just going to open the altars just for a moment. Believer, and maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You should mix right in. This is not a place of shame. This is not a place where we hold our head down. We come because we see that we're in need and we say, God, help us. That starts by us being born again, but it will never quit. We will always be in a place where we need Jesus. This morning you're here. You say, I got an area the Lord's been dealing with me about. And I need His grace to flow upon me, to change me and to help me. Well, I invite you to come. I invite you to come and find yourself a place. Let's just say, Lord, I need your grace. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to change this. I'm asking you to break this. I'm asking you to do what you've already paid for me on the cross of Calvary. Come on, it's a good time to pray. Maybe you want to pray where you're at. It's a good time to pray this morning. Maybe you don't have anything else to pray except, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for still changing me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you, Lord, that you had mercy upon me. Whatever it may be, it's a good time to pray and to be grateful for the grace of God this morning. Help me. Help me, God.
If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.